morning. Let's all begin. <laughs> Psalms 121. Let's come on in so we can get uh, the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace together as one. Psalms 121. I look up. I look up, I don't look down. I look up to the hills from where does my help come from? I'm looking up, I'm gazing up into the into your eyes, Lord, because I know that that's where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord. The creator of heaven and earth. Not just the creator of the heavens, but also of the earth. The God of the mountains and the God of the valley. Both. The God that's present right now, right here. The God of the heaven that invades the earth. With your presence, Lord, we invite your presence this morning. Holy Spirit, we ask you to fill this place with your glory. And may you come and rest among your people. No more striving. my good pleasure to rest with you. I don't have to strive with my people anymore. I found a place where I can hang out. I pray this morning he would not allow your foot, not even in one way, to slip. May you not even miss a step. May every step that you take be ordered of the Lord. For a righteous man or woman, his steps are ordered of the Lord. May your protector not sleep. Look, look, Israel's protector does not sleep nor slumber. The Lord, you see us now. Lord, you see me now. Yeah, connect to him. Lord, I know you know me. I know you've been with me all my days. And I know you delight in me. I'm turning my heart to you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. I trust you, Lord, with my whole self. And my whole self cries out to the living God. Oh, place your trust in him. My soul 
magnifies the Lord. My soul exalts you, Lord. Let your name forever be praised. You receive all our praise, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We exalt you, Lord. Exalt the Lord. Magnify the Lord. Magnify the Lord. the name of the Lord be praised. Let the name of the Lord be praised. Let the name of the Place 
where it goes down From the farthest reaching star To where I stand here on the ground From the rising of the sun To the place where it goes down from the farthest reaching star to where I stand here on the ground I lift your name I give you praise and for all my days and I will lift your name
Hosanna, Hosanna, worthy is your name. smite you in the day, in the moon, in the night. I have called you by name. You are mine, I have redeemed you. It's not your choice, but mine. So follow my voice. Follow my voice. change until it is 
So the Lord has an interesting way of uh, arresting us in the middle of a, one of our events. Um, Mark chapter 11. We can just be at rest here. Mark 11, and they, they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethage, Bethany of the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone's ever asked you, why are you doing this? Or if they ask you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it. And we'll send it back to you shortly. So they went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. And as they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that colt? And they answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they had brought the colt to Jesus, they threw their cloaks over it and sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. They who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest heaven. And Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts, looked around at everything. Since it was late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. In Matthew chapter 21, there's a parable of the tenants. And it's within the same context as this, which has been written and recorded in um, Mark chapter 11. And in the parable of the tenants, he says to them, listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a fence around it, dug for it a wine press, and built a watchtower. Then he leased it to the tenant farmers and went on a journey. 
And when harvest time was near, he sent his slaves to the tenants to collect his portion of the crop. But the tenants had seized his slaves, beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent other slaves more than the first, and they treated them the same way. And finally, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let's kill him, and we'll get his inheritance. So they seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. And now when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? And they said to him, he'll utterly destroy those evil men. Then he'll lease the vineyard to some other tenants who will give him his portion in the harvest. And Jesus said to them, have you ever read in the scriptures the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This is from the Lord, and it is marvelous in his eyes. For this reason, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken from you and give, be given to a people. Who will produce fruit? The one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. And the one on whom it falls will be crushed. the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his, heard his parables, they realized he was speaking about them. They wanted to arrest him, but they were afraid of the crowds because the crowds regarded him as a prophet. Father, I trust you. I trust you for the release of the harvest. And I, I tell you of the truth from the Lord this morning, and we are receiving a stewardship, an inheritance from him. We will not reject this stone that the builders have rejected. We recognize, Lord, that we can do nothing of ourselves, that we are ever in need of you, and we cannot lay our hands on that which you have built and you have designed. Lord, we don't want to lay our hands to it. We respect you as our king.
We will not touch your glory. We will not dishonor you. And we will give you all the praise and the glory that you're doing by not putting our hands on it. And we want to make a covenant solemn vow today to you not to touch your glory. For your inheritance. Listen. The sanctifier and the sanctified are of the same stock. Hebrews chapter 2. The inheritor and his inheritance are one. We experienced this last week when the stone comes rolling in. The stone that pulverizes all our human ambition and striving and trying to do something for God. Pulverize my heart, Lord, with your stone. That it won't be something unto the praise of man, but it will give glory to you. For you're the one. You're the one that deserves all the glory and all the honor. Yeah. I can't do it. You can't do it either. But we can posture our heart right now. In our weakness, he is made strong. In the weakness of a child, in the smallness of a little child, he's perfected praise. Not unto us, not unto us be the glory, but unto you be the glory. I don't want to resist your humility. I don't want to resist your humiliation. I don't want to resist your exaltation, Lord. King more than kingdom, king even more than kingdom. You, you, you the majestic one, you the glory. All honor to you, Lord. 
I want you more than your kingdom, Lord. I want you more than your prizes and your gifts. I want you more. Join there with Christ. I'm your son. I'm your daughter. I'm your son. Manifest your glory, Lord. King righteous, King one.
Psalms 110.1. And the Lord said to my Lord, sit until I make all your enemies your footstool. The court's in session, born out of the heavens. All the enemies are under your feet. Extend your dominion now when you know it, when you know no more enemies, no more enemies. You're putting your foot down on the back of the enemy over your families, over your extended families. of your enemies mm. speak to him and speak it out say what he's saying to you mm. for all the promises of God are yes and amen mm. I receive your promise Lord I receive your promise Lord manifest glory out of my life mm. extend dominion Prophesy, prophesy, prophesy. Mm. Oh, we have the victory because of what he's done. Mm. Prophesy, prophesy. church rise up in the heavens plant the heavens plant them to Zion you have come to Zion
physical healing issues, I want you to come forward. We're going to pray for you right now. Any physical healing uh, issues, just come stand right up here. Everybody's good. Everybody's healed. No physical issues in this house. You want healing, come back. Come up. Come up here. In the name of Jesus, release healing, release healing, release healing now in the name of Jesus. I don't know if you have, if someone may have like a left, um, like shoulder issue. There's some kind of shoulder issue in this house. In the name of Jesus, bring healing right now. Also, someone's rolled their uh, rolled their foot. Uh, I think it's a right foot, but you've been walking. You rolled your ankle. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. Healing now, healing now. to you from the from the Lord concerning you that you are made to walk in the fullness of your life and I pray for you right now from him that he'll extend your life hey who would take a life extension yeah Extend the internship, Lord. I want all the training I can get in this life. I want to be like Enoch. Yeah, shrink 365 years into the space. 
of a hundred. I want all that you can hand out for a human, Lord. If you want that, just ask him. I'll extend your life. I'll restore you and make you whole. Grand mm, wisdom, wisdom in this house. Oh, there it is, healing now. Now, 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 now. Persistent pain, persistent pain issues. Jesus, heal him now. Persistent pain, in the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. greater than your former you don't have to give in to old age you don't have to give in to a mentality like that no your latter end will be greater than your former <laughs> you'll be vibrant 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 in your latter years even more than your youthful ones don't buy into a lie Don't buy in to the idea that I just have to give in to some kind of thought about myself, that I, I'm just going to get more broken and more decrepit. No! No. That's not what the Scripture says. Oh, the Lord loves you. 
Your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Oh, your loving kindness is greater than life. Oh, oh man. Mm, waves flowing through this house. I receive you, Lord. I receive your healing touch, Lord. I receive your miracles, Lord. just thank the Lord for what he's done give him thanks now just say go ahead and tell him thank you thank you Lord I praise you Lord I give you glory
Psalm 68. Verse 9, O God, you cause abundant showers to fall on your chosen people. When they are tired, you sustain them. For you live among them, you sustain the oppressed with your good blessings, O God. The Lord speaks. Many, many women spread the good news. Kings leading armies run away. They run away. The lovely lady of the house divides up the loot. When you lie down among the sheepfolds, the wings of the dove are covered with silver and glittering gold. When the sovereign judge scatters kings, let it snow on Zalman. The mountain of Bashan is a towering mountain. The mountain of Bashan is a mountain with many peaks. Why do you look with envy, O mountain, with many peaks at the mountain where God has decided to live? Indeed, the Lord will live there permanently. God has countless chariots. They number in the thousands. The Lord comes from Sinai in holy splendor. You ascend on high. Oh, you've taken many captives. Oh, there's a train of exiles coming out of captivity. We have breakthrough. <laughs> we have breakthrough. Watch the exile now. Watch them, watch them because, watch them because our king. He stands victorious. Watch the exiles come out as he leads a train of them out of captivity all over this nation and raises up a royal family, a royal remnant to his name. All the remnants uniting, a remnant in this nation, rising up out of the root, out of the root, the offspring of David, out of the shoot, budding forth. This won't be a grassroots movement. It's a stump of Jesse movement. Oh, remnant, remnant family, we call on you out of this house. Whistling, whistling all through the land. A family, not a party. No more parties, a family. We're a family, a purple family. A royal family. I ask you and thank you, Lord, for you declare I will unite this family. And we know you, Jesus, as high priest. You know you're going to get your prayer request. That we would be one as you and the Father are one. And that you would make us one with the Father. I pray for this great unity. Not the fallen ecumenicism of the past. Not the compromise of the past, but the truth that is the Lord. The truth that is the man, Jesus Christ. That truth. Draw us together by light and make us one. And raise up this move all throughout this land. give you all the tribute and all the glory Lord receive your tribute from us Lord the Lord deserves praise 
Day after day, he carries our burden. And he is the God who just delivered us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this great deliverance. wanted to share something that um, I experienced as we broke through into the spirit in the spirit during worship just now um, when we worship we we are engaging in warfare you know, as it says in Ephesians 6 be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our wrestling is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against the powers, against the world's rulers of the darkness of this age, and against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. As we worship, we're displacing those things. And what I saw as we broke through was this picture of if you know for all of you that enjoy science fiction you know we were upgraded into a massive space battle cruiser with armaments like you wouldn't believe and you know basically unstoppable um you know cannons on it on, it, on all sides and um and i could just feel the power of it you know and and tractor beams to draw people in you know as Scripture says, let all men be drawn unto Jesus, unto him. So this, in our breakthrough, we've been given an upgrade. The Lord has upgraded us into greater authority, power, and weaponry. Weaponry that has never been seen before. Armed from heaven, from the storehouses of heaven, with things that have never been seen on earth before. So Father, thank you. Thank you for your upgrade and your breakthrough today. Thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness to us. Father, thank you for the upgrade. Father, send your angels to man all the battle stations. Thank you, Father, for your, for your goodness. Thank you as we transition into this next place that you have equipped us, that you've given us everything that we need. For the, yours, the battle is yours, Lord, and you have won the victory. Amen. Psalms 92, it is fitting to thank the Lord and sing praises to your name, O Sovereign One. It is fitting to proclaim your loyal love in the morning and your faithfulness during the night. To accompany it with ten string instrument and a lyre and to accompaniment of the meditative tone of the harp. For I say you, O Lord, you have made me happy by your work. 
I will sing for joy because of what you've done. I celebrate you, Lord. How great are your works, O Lord. Your plans are very intricate. The spiritually insensitive do not recognize you, Lord. And the fool doesn't recognize this. When the wicked sprout up like grass and all the evildoers glisten, it is so that they may be annihilated. But you, O Lord, reign forever. Indeed, look at your enemies, O Lord. Indeed, look at how your enemies perish. And all the evildoers are scattered. And here's the upgrade that Pete's talking about. You exalt my horn like that of a wild ox. I'm covered with fresh oil. I gloat in triumph over those who have tried to ambush me. And I hear the defeated cries of my evil foes who have attacked me. The godly grow like a palm tree and they grow high like the cedar in Lebanon. Planted in the Lord's house. They planted in the Lord's house. They'll grow in the courts of our God. And listen, they'll bear fruit even when they're old. And they are filled with vitality and have many leaves. So they proclaim that the Lord, my protector, my protector is just and never unfair.
sorry to uh, sorry to interrupt the worship here for a moment, but those who were with us when we met at the community center at the beginning of the year will remember we prayed for a young lady and uh, her baby, Annie Mack, that she had had an abrupted, abrupted placenta, then her embryonic sac broke, and she was in the hospital at only 21 weeks. And so it was very tenuous. The family was under a lot of stress. A message was sent out that remarkably a blood clot that had been there from where the placenta abrupted had appeared to resolve. They couldn't see it any longer, which was pretty amazing. And even, and I don't know if you, know, you may or may not remember, but in that prayer, uh, we prayed specifically for God to seal things back up and for uh, everything needed for Annie Mac to grow. And actually the embryonic sac did seal back up and she was sent back home uh, with her baby still in the wound. She, yeah, she's at 26 weeks progressing. Obviously what they keep thinking is, well, if we can get two more weeks, if we can get two, you keep getting closer to the point where you would consider, you know, a fetus to become more viable. Uh, I have this strong confidence that it, I don't know how many weeks it'll be, but I, I don't have any lack of confidence in that God, he, God is going to deliver Annie Mac into this world and that he's going to have a special mark upon her and a testimony already. So first I just wanted to say, thank everyone who, uh, for your prayers they were effective. Things very specifically happened that aren't supposed to happen. The family was blown away. I had sent them that short recording from when we had prayed, and they were shocked. And even though they should, they said we shouldn't be because they're strong people of faith. I wanted to pray one more time uh, uh, for this family, and of course, anybody who might be going through this that you know. So God, thank you. <laughs> We should never lack in confidence for you. <laughs> um, thank you. You love to prove yourself. You love to prove who you are. You love to prove how you love your people. You love to prove your goodness. And we just are so grateful, and we know that you, that you did this, that doctors couldn't do this. We're not capable of doing this, that you, to, you reached into that womb. You kept the baby growing and thriving. You sealed up the embryonic sac. You saw to it that whatever was needed could be done, and now Mary Page is at home, but there's still a lot of stress and fear. They want to get as far down the road as they can. We have confidence, Lord. You've got a plan for this baby. She is going to be marked. She is coming into the world with the testimony of your power, Lord, and that in her generation, she is going to be a bright light and bring glory to you. And I just pray now that that this gets seen through the rest of the way, that we're not talking about 26 weeks or 28, or can we just make it to 30, that this becomes a full-term baby delivered and go and immediately with her mother, able to go home with her mother, and that this family will be at peace and be free of fear and free of any anxiety or worry, and that it, Mary Page doesn't have to fret over every little decision she's making right now. Is this gonna hurt? Is this gonna help? But that she can just see your power and rest in you and be at peace that you're doing this. We thank you, God. We thank you for your power, for your love, and thank you for that very specific healing you did for them. Amen. Jeff, thank you, Gus. I just, so the name is Annie Mack, 
Annie Mack. I love that name. It's like a Mack truck. Um, I'm just, before I share, Father, I, I want to also echo Gus's prayer as we all just pray together, but just an echo, Father, for Annie Mack. Thank you for bringing babies into this world. Um, so I had a summary last week that the Holy Spirit highlighted to me of our time here. It was from a particular uh, perspective, and the title of the summary was The Demolition Crew. <laughs> I'm not going to tell that summary. Um, it's too long. But I am going to, he gave me a summary of the summary today um, in two scriptures in particular. But if I could look at it with, um, if we could look at it with this lens, you know, we all see in parts, so we have different parts that we see and share. Um, but this is a lens, is as I read John 2, um, look with me through the lens of a baby coming into a full term, like what we just prayed. So Jesus actually has in mind a baby, so to speak, you know, being born as he's sharing this. He, he sees beyond the present circumstance. So the only reason a demolition crew ever comes in is for a, an outcome. It's not just to destroy stuff. I mean, Jesus did come to destroy the works of the enemy, but there was more to it than that. So here's the, here's the passage, John 2 and then Ephesians 1. I just did that. It made me think of Matthew and the Chosen. <laughs> You know how he goes. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> and the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And he found in the temple those who were selling oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers seated. Jesus made a scourge of cords and drove them all out of the temple. with the sheep and oxen, and he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And to those who were selling the doves, he said, take these things away and stop making my father's house a house of merchandise. Jesus' disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for thy house will consume me. Ho! Oh. Ho, oh, zeal for his house consumes Jesus, and Jesus lives in us, and we have been consumed with his zeal. Maybe each one of us in a different way, in a different facet, but we've been processed in the zeal of the Lord, and we are being consumed with that zeal for his house. We all carry that, each in our own way, and that's what we've been processed in. And continue to be processed in. The Jews therefore answered and said to him, what sign do you show us seeing that you do such things? Jesus answered and said to him, to them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. So now he brings out the, the, the what goes after the demolition crew, what, you know, destroying the works of the enemy for the sake of, in three days I will raise it up. The Jews said, 
It took 46 years to build this building. And you're going to raise it up in three days. But Jesus was not speaking of that. He was speaking of the temple of his body. That is what consumes us. It's him. It's his body. He is the head. He was the body, and now we are the body. So finishing with Ephesians 1. Verse 23, Jesus' body is the fullness of him filling all in all. Amen. How do you do this? This this morning has been so amazing. Um, you know, I believe when you come in with us in this house, you're going to get you're going to get full. If you don't leave here full by the uh, the Spirit and the Word, uh, so much happens with us sometimes. Like how could everybody? You know, there's a lot of green grass, and so um, thank you everyone for your words and encouragement. And as we've come to our last day here at Seven Day at Venice Arden. Um, as we move into our next uh, season, and we have been through the introductory aspect of Zechariah and moved into uh, that he's the governor of the nations and that he's the avenger of the afflicted. And the next season we'll go into, and I'm not sure how long it'll last, will be uh, that he is the builder of God's city. And so where we're headed, we'll begin with vision three. But today, I will conclude with vision to uh, Avenger of the Afflicted. Um, thanks, Jeff, for that word. It's, oh, it's so good. <laughs> Sorry. I feel so good. I mean, this has been really something else. Probably, I would say personally, it's probably one of the toughest leadership challenges I've ever personally been through. This last week, uh, I was reflecting on King Saul, and you know, a lot, we're really hard on that guy and have a lot to say about him, and the world was tough on him, you know, but it was interesting going through his life and finding out that, you know, it says that Saul was a head, you know, he's a head taller than everyone else in Israel. It says he was the best looking guy. He had the spirit of prophecy on him where he could prophesy, where the Spirit of God would come down here and give him a prophetic unction. He was anointed to lead. He had gathered the 12 tribes of Israel together. The man was quite incredible as a person, as a persona. He had charismatic gifting. And he was uniting a family to come together. And I was looking at all these qualities of this man, I was thinking, that guy might have been one of the finest leaders in all of Israel in his day. I mean, the fact that all the tribes of Israel would come together and gather around his kind of, kind of mentality or way because they, they had sought for themselves a king like the other kings of the earth or that was in the regions around them. And, of course, if you, you all know the story where he's there and he's, 
seven days. Remember that story? Seven days and then he's going to make a sacrifice and, and he does and he's not supposed to. He was given like this obedience to the Lord that he was supposed to conduct himself in and, and so how be it that he had, he had prophetic anointing. He actually had donkeys too. I don't know if, if you do, but <laughs> no, no donkeys, but he had donkeys and I, I don't know if you know, but the donkey, you know, symbolic of Issachar, you know, provision and blessing. I mean, the man had provision, he had anointing, he had prophetic unction, he had charisma, he had the best looks, he had, taught, he had the whole thing going for him. And it really struck me that how much man and what man can do in God's house and what man can be and what man can perform and what man can bring to the table. And you know, I think the Lord knew that he knew that that man, when he looked on his outward appearance and everything he had going, he knew that that man right there, that people would want to follow that guy. And he knew that he was actually a projection of what was actually in their own hearts. Things related to the outward appearance. Things related to all of those various different things. And, and how could God even, even do anything in his house with uh, all that? And I, I would... Suffice it to say, I think there's been an image projection in God's house so much in the leadership that's projecting out onto God's people at least one, two, a few, or all of those things and saying, if you do this, you'll actually get God. It's been, you know, well, we have signs and wonders, and we did here 11 years ago. We have whatever, whatever, whatever. All the things that we can do and what we can bring to the table, he's like, you know, a kingdom people, a kingdom unified people. I mean, hey, think, we hardly even have that in this nation today. Think about what they had then under that type of leadership. Be kind of disappointing. It's disappointing to the Lord. God was an anti-kingship. You see that in Deuteronomy chapter number 17. It was an anti-king. Is after a type of leadership that would exhibit character qualities, the projection of image and things like that I've just displayed, and the people will want to follow that more than the Lord himself. And so what does he do? I'm, I'm going to tell you, that it harkens right back to Adam and Eve in the garden. The Lord puts a prohibition right in the middle of the garden and says, do not eat from that tree, for in the day that you do, you will surely die. Well, I should get whatever I want. You know, everything else I can have, but why can't I have that? And I believe that God is testing the humility of his people by saying, you can do all those things, but don't do that one thing. Well, that should be mine, but I've told you don't do it. And, and I think it's like this. And uh, McManus and I, Tom and I met together this week, and he said, tell me more of that, Carol. And I said, we've wanted a kingdom more than we wanted the king. <laughs> we've wanted the manifestation of kingdom. We've wanted that. So manifest glory, manifest Okay, all right, we got angels, we got out-of-body experience, we got visions, we've got, uh, we've got the word of the Lord. And you know, the Lord isn't like opposed to any of those, are all in the word. But what about like him? What about the person of the man, Jesus Christ? What about him? What about relating intimately with the one? What about him? 
And what, what is it? And we looked at this last week. He's the capstone cornerstone. Now, I think the capstone and cornerstone are one and the same, and I'll tell you why I believe that, because I believe God's kingdom government is not like this. I believe it's like this. I, I believe it's like an inverted pyramid, and so the cornerstone is the capstone. Do you understand what I mean? It's the stone that the builders rejected. Uh, speaking very succinctly concerning the Lord, the Psalms 118, 25, 26. Later on, we looked at a little bit this morning. We don't construct that way. Any of y'all builders in here? Built businesses? Built houses? You, you understand, you can't construct a building like this. You can't. It, it, you know what it'll do? It'll fall over. They have something like that. I think the Louvre in Paris or something got a suspended structure that sits like that, I think. But it has to be supported somehow, right? The kingdom of God, the kingdom that God is going for, it's going to have to be supported by God himself. It has to be run by him. And Saul was, you know, that, that was the point concerning him. Pressure, pressure, pressure. Uh, all the guys are fleeing. We got a superior army attacking Israel. And you always see this. You see this in all the text. And I tell you, that's why we worship the way we do here and we will continue to. We were not backing out of worship because it's Hezekiah on his face before the Lord in worship. It's, it's jo- Jehoshaphat on his face before the Lord in worship. It's Josiah and it's armies coming against and sieging God's people. And they're like, I'm worshiping him. And it's, the Lord's like, send an angel down, kill 185,000 Assyrians kind of thing. You know, it's all the stories we hear. And when the pressure comes on our life, and you know, the test of our loyalty, will we be faithful to him when he speaks to us and hold the line on what he has said to us and not budge for an instant no matter what anyone else says, no matter what culture tells us, I am not going to move off of what my king, I am in relationship to him and perception, yes, reality, yes, but I am not changing my position, Daisy Smith, right? I am not going to, uh, yes, I might, you know, but I'm going to get into such a place here, and I'm going to do exactly what he says, and I'm not going to change my mind about it, and no one's going to tell me otherwise, I'm going to do exactly what he tells me to do. And I think he would say something like, you guys have been trying to construct something 46 years. You want to get it done quicker? I can do this thing in three days. Saul would have waited just a few more minutes. It says, the prophet comes to him and he says, because you have done this foolish or wicked thing, he says, your whole kingdom, your perpetual, perpetual dynasty will be stripped from you and he'll give it to a man who is better than you. I tell you what, you don't want that to happen in your life. It says in Kings 3, Solomon speaking or writing, it says, uh, I took my hesed off of your forebearer, speaking of Saul. Listen, you could have all those things. You can have uh, all of y'all. You're very good-looking people. You can have all these things going for you. You can have all of it. And if the Lord takes his hesed off of you, you have nothing. You could be a brilliant stra- uh, strategist person. You could have whatever. You could do whatever you want to probably. You don't have the loving kindness of the Lord. You have nothing. And you know that's what he needed to know. That man needed to know Hit your knees, man. Hit the deck, man. 
Like, quit trying to do this out of your own strength and your own proclivity to thank you no. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord, I say. Wait on the Lord. So, just a little warm up. <laughs> Man's never going to build God's house. It's never going to happen. Fooling any of us or fooling ourselves to think, you know, you labor in vain that build it. Let the Lord build his own house. And he'll build it according to his pattern, according to his way. And uh, Stephen was saying this week, it's a very odd way he does things. You know, something like that, I'm paraphrasing. It's a very interesting way he gets things done. It's uh, generally speaking, not the way we would do things. Right? Amen to that. So in Zechariah, finishing up the uh, last vision, vision two, I'll read back verse 18. Once again, I looked this time, I saw four horns. So I asked, Angelic messenger, he spoke with me. What are these? He replied, these are the horns that have scattered Judah, Israel, and Jerusalem. These four horns, they scattered our family. They scattered the Judah and the Israel, and they scattered us outside of our city precinct. They've scattered the family of God. These four horns, and you know, you know what are they? And I'm gonna attempt to do my best with this today, but next, the Lord showed me four blacksmiths, and um, this is verse 20. He showed me uh, four blacksmiths. He guess what Jeff is saying. Uh, what was that word that you used? But uh, demolition crew. This is the demolition crew. The four blacksmiths are going to be deployed against the four horns. They're going to demolish the four horns. Why? Because this pyramidal structure uh, has to have a capstone set on it to complete it. I can't get into Freemasonry, Illuminati lore, and all that stuff today, but I'm just saying, I'm just throwing it out there because there is a new world order that has, it's on the back of your $1 bill, there is a new world order that has a fault system like this, and then there's a Melchizedek order that God is building. That's his, that he's the high priest of. There's two different orders, and all that our enemy can do is sort of duplicate what the word does. And the Lord's been looking for uh, laying this capstone onto the base of that Y'all know what a ziggurat is? Uh, like Mayan, Incan type temples and they have like a sides that go down like this and stairs climb to it and then it has a flat area and a temple on top. On the four corners of the base of that like ziggurat, the idea here in your mind to try to get it in the way that the human soul was constructed and that's an out, outlay of what man has created like Babel or like what Nebuchadnezzar was looking at created. You have a, you come up to the side and then there's a flat base, there's a temple there. That temple, what was meant to happen in the human soul, this is what Jesus was talking about in John, was a capstone would be laid on that temple and would seat on those four corner bases. The horns that are being spoke of here and later on in reference to Zechariah referencing Daniel, he'll reference these four uh, empire type structures. They're the four horns. You, you can look at them, I believe, in Daniel 2, uh, Daniel 7. And what I want to attempt to do is, because what happened, uh, we were at um, exit to millennium, our number, last week was 120. What? The four blacksmiths were deployed to deal with the four horns. What? This week, X2M 121, listen to it. It says, uh, verse, verse 21 I asked, what are these going to do? He answered, these horns are the ones that have scattered Judah so that there's no one to be seen. But these blacksmiths have come to terrify Judah's enemies and cut off the horns of the nations. 
that have thrust themselves against the land of Judah in order to scatter its people. The church, God's family, the royal family, would never be uh, united until this is dealt with in the human heart and then as a corporate body. The Lord has to deal with the four horns. And these four horns, and I basically wrote it on a napkin with Stephen this week or some, went in a napkin or something, we just wrote it out and I went real fast. And I'm gonna attempt to do this with you, just take a little time to describe the four horns. Because we have, there's an antichrist figure that's coming for the new world order to unite a caliphate or something of this type. He's going to unite uh, a certain group of nations and um, stand as a one world leader. And before that happens, though, the Lord is not sitting there wringing his head on God's people. He's been preparing his people. And he's going to have his order. And that order, and you know, for years I've said this, they're going to go head to head. And we already know which horn's going to win this. (laughs) Which horn has already won. A horn um, in scripture represents, you know, empire or it represents authority or a governmental or some kind of uh, head of state or head of a system. So when you're, you're looking at horn, I'm going to go through all the texts this morning on those, but I do want to just go through this and I'll try to make it as simple as possible. The four horns, if you take notes, <clears throat> Babylon, Medo-Persia. Greco-Roman and revived Roman horns, okay? So we have a Babylon, gold, Medo-Persia, I believe silver, Greco-Roman, what is it, Uh, bronze, and revived Roman, uh, clay and iron. It's the whole statue that Nebuchadnezzar saw. I'll just share with you the way to work because people think I'm not simple, but I need everything made simple. So I'm gonna try to make it as simple as I can. I'm looking for and analyzing scripture across forms, trying to find, okay, what's going on here? What are these four horns? So again, Babylon in the gold, uh, Medo-Persia in the silver. And I'm just taking my mind, I'll tell you what my mind's doing right now. It's going around the top of a ziggurat and it's finding four corners in my mind. And it's saying, look at this corner of Babylon, look at this corner of uh, Medo-Persia, look at this corner of Greco-Roman, and look at this corner of revived Roman, okay? Okay? All right, four horns. Gold, silver, bronze, clay, and iron. In your mind. And so I was thinking, we have political ideology and ecclesial ideology that influences our nations and our culture. There's a a way that we structure governments and we structure the church, or, Let's call them the false systems. Let's not call it the church. Let's just call it a religious system. Because God is wanting to, and he's been dealing with this in all of us. He's been wanting to cap those horns off. Get the blacksmith. Get those things off of your soul. Remember, 46 years took to build this thing. I can do this in three days. I'm wanting to clear the base because I want to set my horn on you, capstone. I want full, you know, um, let's say it this way. Loyalty is royalty. I want to be the one in charge of you. I want to set my throne on your soul. I want to I run the show, your whole being. I want to be in charge of it. But I won't do it uh, unless you let me. 
Because a king can never impose his will on someone because what would they say if he imposed his will? Oh, he manipulates me and controls me. <laughs> Anybody ever said that to someone else? You're a manipulator, you're a controller. You're, you're trying to do something to me, you're trying to cause me to do something. The Lord will never do that to you, he's not that kind of person. He will only come to you if you ask him to. He, and then when we ask him to, a lot of times it's like, fuck, you should, we should have left me alone. You know, this hurts really bad. He's like, well, I'm just wanting to deal with your, these uh, four horns. <laughs> Babylon, gold, bling, bling. I mentioned it last week. I believe that, and this is the way I understand it, that would be like, in political ideology, an absolute monarchy. Um, there may be a few of those left on the earth, I'm not sure. But absolute monarchy is you have one guy in charge, he basically calls all the shots, no one else really has a say. There's no, you know, well you got, no you don't have a say. I tell you what to do, if you don't do what I tell you, probably I'll kill you or I'll make you my friend. You know, an absolute monarchy. There, there may be, I mean, I don't know, like North Korea is kind of set up that way, but I mean that guy, he kills his own relatives. You know, you don't do what I tell you to, I'm gonna kill you. You know, he's ruthless. That's a whole story. I can't go into that. I'm like, my body's going all into North Korea now. It's like, here I go, North Korea. It's like, no, go to South Korea. I don't wanna be in North Korea. No, let's go to North Korea and disband the whole thing. I want to, I want to. Just walk right in there and say, look the Lord, this thing's coming down. I wanna release these people out of bondage. I'm sick of this. You know, I wanna see them set free for the Lord. Set up a proper uh, theocracy here instead of this thing. Anyways, um, absolute monarchy, Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar's head, it's gold. Political next, I kind of think of, you know, Medo-Persia sort of like, you don't have to agree with me, but like constitutional monarchy. It's, I think of it more like, you know, we so-called having, you know, Great Britain now, that's a constitutional monarchy. You know, they have a, they have like, um, you know, they have a parliament, right? Is that right? And they have a parliament and they have two different types of the houses and they sort of like talk everything out and the queen or now King Charles III, which will go in and be installed this year, uh, sort of is like a head of, the, head of the nation, but he doesn't have a lot of say as far as what I can understand in the affairs of the nation. But he has a lot of land and really nice houses and, you know, he got a lot of money. <laughs> And he might, you know, he brings the prime minister in, they have a talk when a new prime minister's voted in by, uh, through their constitutional uh, mechanism by the people. And so that's another style of political leadership. And then we have uh, Roman. This nation functions somewhat out of that, uh, but not, not really. And that would be, you know, the Roman Empire and the way that was set up. That's the one that the word comes into. And you, you know, you have a, um, a Caesar, a head of state, but he has a Senate. And so they, they run and then they set up little, little guys everywhere, like Pontius Pilate, he was a little guy over there in Galilee underneath his authority and they kind of set up their authority like that all throughout the land. And then you know, their purpose is to like spread the empire and they did. Now, what do I do on world history right now? Not a lot, because we gotta get through this. Because I need you to like hear about these, the basis of these four horns. And so they have like a Senate type function is like, you know, they have a say and things like that. And that guy's sort of promoted like as a so, you know, so-called God. 
And then we get to revive Rome into one, actually the system, now you're not in this system in the Lord, but this one that you're in in this nation, a, a democratic republic or a Republican Democrat or a, or a socialist dick nation. I don't know where that thing's going. <laughs> it's socialism, communism, nationalistic socialism, sort of like what Hitler had. You got iron and clay. You got iron on the right and clay on the left. Don't like it? That's the way it is. It's blue and it's red. It's revived Roman. It's a revived Roman empire. It's in defeat. The thing's gonna come crashing down. Why? Because in these four uh, political ideologies that we were, unfortunately, when you were born into sin and in corruption, you were born with uh, usually leveraging towards one of them. One of them you like more than the other one. I personally liked Absolute Monarch. <laughs> All of y'all know that probably, but you know, I was like, I love the Babylonian system. You know, it's sort of like bred into my DNA. Woke up and was like, I like being in charge of everything. Kara calls it pinky in the brain. <laughs> it's like, let's rule the world. <laughs> you know, so, and I just wake up every day thinking that. You know, some of us though, are just we're a little bit soft. You know, we oh, I like constitutional monarchy. That sounds fair to me. Oh, at least somebody to represent me. You know, and the other guy's just like, no, this Senate thing, this is happening. And then the other one, you know, the one you're in. And I don't think anybody's real pleased with that one right now. All the time. Because that, you can't help it. And I want to tell you this, that they're all completely, all four of them, they don't represent the Lord properly. Yeah, you've been in churches too, um, I would say the Roman Catholic Church kind of would take up a similar position of Babylon. Don't like it? Fine, I, I don't, I'm not trying to offend everybody, but it's more like Babylon. If you've been in Episcopalian or Anglican Church, it's sort of oriented just like that Greco-Roman. And if you're revived Roman, you've probably been Presbyterian. And if you're the other one, you're congregational. You may have grew up Baptist. Everybody has a say. <laughs> Everybody. See what I mean? And it's in the human heart, and it goes, it goes around from, you know, individual to community organization and, and characterization. And it's in the church uh, ecclesiastically, and it's in the political system. And you know what the Lord wants to do with it? He wants to send the blacksmith out and wreck the whole entire thing. Because he knows, he knows that those systems came out of the fallen nature of man and they've built these political and religious ideologies all over the earth. And he knows that man was not created for that. You were created for him. You were created for a theocracy. Where God himself would come down and rule your heart. And Jesus paid for it. That's what he went to the cross for. He's like, I'm going to give you my full Christology. I'll give you my full divine nature. I'll put that inside of you and run your whole entire systems. I'll do it eventually, and you're just going to go so far with me, you'll get glorified. You felt it last week, man, the release that came in this house. I mean, we were under it. Pressure, pressure, pressure. Why? Why were we under pressure? We just want to clear the base off. 
He doesn't want a missions base or a base of ministry to be built off of those four ideologies, those four horns. He wants to be the one. And now, you know, we're not safe without him being the one that governs and rules our whole entire existence. We're not. We're gonna have a proclivity towards whatever, one of those. And I tell you what, it's dangerous and it's, it's hurt the church, it's, hurt, it's hurting our world right now. But if God, and God has, can find a people that he can put his capstone on and we wouldn't try to be the Lord, and we wouldn't try to be God and think that we could figure it out ourselves, and we would allow the Lord to keep us completely vulnerable and dependent like a little child. You know what? The king would sit on the human heart and you know what? The kingdom will advance. You know, he told me, he said this to me, subjective. He said, get ready to see expansion. I said, oh man. He said, I'm going to unite the family. I was like, oh Lord, finally. Don't you get out of vulnerability and dependency. <laughs> you know, I told y'all, you know, if you, the word said to me, what do you want, affliction or affection? It was just make it real simple. Affection, I like to be loved. I really want to be loved. I don't like affliction. You know, I hate it. <laughs> yeah, uh, good choice. Uh, stay completely vulnerable and completely dependent. What, you're supposed to decide? No, it wasn't meant for you to decide. But you have to let him because he's not gonna come over and impose his will on you. And every conflict that you've had or hopefully won't have any more after today, no, but it's all about putting yourself back to the center. I'm not saying I'm not anti-conflict because there's a conflict that Jesus had and he had, you know, he has the full divinities. God, yeah, he's having a conflict with those Pharisee guys, you know. You know, neither me nor my father. Your father's the devil. Because if you did, you know that there's a vibration of light coming out of me right now, and you'd be like, mm -hmm, like, like he said, a tractor beam. <laughs> you'd be like, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. I, I don't even understand you, but I don't care. <laughs> it's the Lord. I can feel him. I know it's you. And he said, the fact that you don't even know that right now tells me that you don't even know me nor my father. Because you'd be attracted to me. I'm the desire of the nations. You're not attracted because you're in darkness and the, you haven't come to the light. Um, 1 Samuel 2, 1, the wicked, these who don't have them all memorized, but you remember that person that said this? Who knows, 1 Samuel 2, 1. Who's talking? Anybody? Don't be afraid. Look it up, tell me. Yes, thank you, Steve, Hannah. Listen to what she says. Oh, man, Hannah. Oh, what a lovely lady. Listen to what she says. My horn is exalted in the Lord. Hmm. Do you feel that? <laughs> what? Oh, God's not a Buddhist, guys. He's not anti-you. He's not trying to annihilate your person. He likes you. Do you understand what I mean by that? She says, my horn Mine, he's mine, <laughs> my horn, mine, my precious Lord is, he's mine. <laughs> my horn is exalted in the Lord. Psalms 3.3, who's speaking? Remember the writer? Who's the writer? Yeah. 
Listen to what he says. You, O Lord, you're the lifter of my head. You know the disposition. You could have your head bowed. Sadie, she was telling me this last week, she, she went to school. and Because uh, we talk about this at a dinner table sometimes. And she's like, she's praying. She's holding her head up like this. Lord, I thank you for this meal. And uh, all the kids are like, you're supposed to bow your head. And she's like, the Lord didn't. <laughs> That's what she told him. I said, oh, that's my 10-year-old. I was like, that's my baby, you know. The Lord didn't. He blessed it, and then everybody else got fed. <laughs> you, know, you want some of my crackers or chips or a piece of my sandwich? Because <laughs> I'm going to lift my head. He's the lifter of my head. It's not, okay, my, I went to bed. He lifts your head in, inside. It's a sense of um, on the end of your words. You know, you ever heard someone talk, and they talk, and the voice goes down on the end? You study inflection on people's voices. I didn't used to, but now I can hear it. I hear their confidence in the Lord or not, or if it's not there. You can hear it in the tone. But Henry asked me this morning, he said, show me your eyes, Pastor Carol. I looked at him, and hopefully they're bright, and they just shine all over. He's a, cause I, he's a lifter of my head. He's a lifter of your head. He's the one that char- charges forth your disposition, and you're like, oh, you know what I mean? <laughs> Anyways, maybe you don't. But I think you do. Psalms 92, I read it to you today. Uh, you, O Lord, have lifted up my horn like that of a wild ox. Laugh, David. <laughs> the wild ox back there. He's a wild ox, I'm telling you that, man. God is also praised as the one who exalts the horn of Messiah. Listen to this. The Lord will give strength to his king. He'll lift up the horn of his anointed, 1 Samuel 2.10. Zechariah, father of John. Blesses God because, listen to what he says in Luke 1, 68 through 69. Listen to what this man of God says. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. (laughs) He, who? He, He has raised up for himself in his house. You didn't do this. I did it. (laughs) And so now, and Meredith Klein wrote this, he is the original that was counterfeited in that Babel-based ziggurat. That's what he's saying. You guys that worship me, it took you this long to get this much done. I could get it done this and this time. I tell you, you want to shrink space-time in your life you know, if you've done any math or physics on work and energy and all that, I don't know how many of you are physicists or did physics in school, but, you know, it takes this much to get this much out. Jesus is saying, hey, guys, it took you 46 years to get this much out. I'll do it in three days. I believe that mark, that's what Pete Lineker is talking about. That mark is on this house. Well, I'll move you out of uh, I'll move you out of additional space into multiplication. I can give you something so much more when my capstone's installed on your soul. 
mostly what God's been dealing with with all of us is try to get four horns off of us and say, why do you keep giving yourself to that political ideology and that religious-based system when you could have me? <laughs> you know, I want you. And I, if you just give, just give me the chance, I would just clear the whole thing off. Quit rejecting me. Quit rejecting me by trying to put your hands to everything and let me do it for you. This is the nature of God's house. It don't, make, it don't have to make any sense to us. He's, he's hard to understand at times, I, I admit. But what he's wanting to do is just clean house. He wants to clean the whole thing off and say, receive me. Now I'll do it for you. Welcome to the gospel of Jesus Christ. You just do the one little thing I told you to do. Stand there and wait for seven days and don't do anything else. See, let's all stand together. <laughs> the Lord said, I'm the, I'm the true mountain stairway. I'm the God. I'm the, I'm the one who raises the dead. I'm the one who sits at heavens at, in heavenly places. I'm the one. Hey, quit trying to fight for your own position. Quit trying to... Uh, make something happen that you weren't meant to. You're, you're a little child. You can't, enter the, you can't even get in this kingdom if you don't have a mindset like that. You can't even get in. It's, Jesus said that. He said, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven unless you become as this little child. So stop fighting it and just say, Lord, and I don't think you're here because you're not already thinking that way, but being a child that plays, I have six of them, and oh, you know, they love to play and they love to talk. They got all kinds of things going on. And you have children or grandchildren or, or you don't. But children love to have a good time and have fun. Well, have a good time. Have a good time in God's, uh, God's kingdom. Uh, and Jeff Manny read it this morning and he's uh, raised him from the dead, set him in his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power, might and dominion. And every name this name, not only in this age, but in the one that's to come. And he's put all things under his feet. And he gave him to be the head over all things, that is the church, which is the body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Ephesians 1, 20 through 23. Ago, Tom Gross came up to me and said, Your nucleus accumbens is turned gold. And I went, I said, What in the world is a nucleus accumbens? I went to Gus Vicker and asked him, He says, Oh man, he told you that? I said, Yeah. He said, If I was ever going to be jealous of something, or, that would be it. Because he understands dopamine and serotonin drops and all that stuff and wheel direction. And I don't know. And he said, that, That's something worth having right there. And I, I think it gets at what Jeff is saying that even in the mind, that gold, which is a great conductor of electricity, would fire off in the synapses of your mind. And that the decision matrix that you would operate in would be the wisdom of God and that you would have that today. Now you want the wisdom of God, amen. It's like that. Loyalty to royalty. It's, it's complete gold. It's true silver, which is redemption. You know, and bronze, I don't know what that actually means. And 
I can't, I don't know, but you understand. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Sealed deal, done. At the cross, done. At Pentecost, done. Tabernacles, finished, complete. Finished to tell us die. He's done it for you and wants to operate through you. Why don't we just uh, give, why don't we just give God a chance? <laughs> why don't we just say, you know what? I don't wanna do this thing myself. It's, uh, it hasn't been working out too well anyways. Uh, yeah, it don't work out well in my health. It don't work out well in my wealth. And it doesn't work out well in my relationships when I exert my own thing and try to push things. Why don't I just say, I trust you? Amen. let's come forward and we'll take communion together. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand All other ground is sinking sand All other ground is sinking sand Zechariah chapter 9 verse 12 Return to the stronghold of security and prosperity uh, you prisoners of hope, even today do I declare that I will restore double your former prosperity to you. Return to the Lord. In Daniel chapter 7, verse 18, the holy ones of the Most High will procure the kingdom and not just procure the kingdom or receive the kingdom, but they will possess the kingdom forever and ever. I don't know. The Lord took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
And he took the cup and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant which is poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May you have peace. Amen. the night. 